The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of the Belmont Media Center or the Town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Welcome to the Hopeless Fancast, the podcast that loves fans as much as fans love pop culture. I'm your host, Eileen Maxson. Before you listen to our show, be pre-warned. There will be spoilers. For today's episode, we are talking with Peter, who is an astrophysicist from Belmont, and we're talking about the show Community. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm doing okay. This has actually been kind of a difficult uh, episode because this was originally going to be an episode about elementary, but the woman who uh, would have been my guest had a heart attack on Friday. So (laughs) Peter, who is, full disclosure, my husband, is my pinch hitter. So we're talking about community today. Yay. (laughs) So let's get started with the question that I ask everybody. What do you love about community? Uh, well, I guess I, I love it because it's uh, it's been a family favorite for years now. And uh, it's just such a smorgasbord, uh, smorgasbord of wildness that it's really hard to sum up succinctly. I've been thinking of this analogy. It's a bit like the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Cheesecake Factory, you know, is entitled the Cheesecake Factory. But that's often, you know, that's not what people really go to the Cheesecake Factory for because they have this really wild selection of dishes. And they're at least the last time that I was there, which was a really long time ago, <laughs> uh, they were really filling. And if you just eat a whole dish by yourself, you have no room for that yummy cheesecake. But the title is, in fact, what you get out of it. And so, you know, you, you, you have this wild selection of things that, you know, they're, they're all enjoyable and you can pick something different. But at the end of it, what, you, what really is, you know, satisfying and unique about it is, is the title item. So, you know, we think of it as being about this community college, which is why it's called community. But, you know, it's a double entendre that it, it's also about the community of the study group that comprises the main cast and how they deal with each other and how they get along. So, you know. The comedy is brilliant, it's funny, and there are send-ups of pop culture that vary from episode to episode, but pretty much every episode, you come back to the fact that you've got this tight group of people who are stuck, you know, basically spinning their wheels. They don't want to be in this community college. They had other dreams with their life, and they're sort of forced to come to the realization that they're not as awesome as they think they are, but they still want to do good things and, you know, and make something of themselves. And to do that, they have to work with the people who are around them, who are their community. And it's that community that really, I think, makes the show because you have all of these really fully realized characters. They're fun, they're interesting, but they have deep flaws. And to some extent, they're all a little selfish, they're all a little prideful. 
And the way that they develop and grow as individuals is by being in a bottle with other people that they have to deal <laughs> with because, well, you know, that's that's what it's like to live with other humans. They're not like you. You don't understand them. And fundamentally, you know, you can either be a jerk and push things around to get your own way, or you can try to take people on their own terms. And maybe, you know, maybe you'll change, maybe they'll change. But, you know, they, they become fuller people by, uh, there's a, a story by Tolkien. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Leaf by Niggle. And it's not very well known. It's a short story, short-ish, maybe not quite a novella. And it's about this painter who lives out in the country and he wants to create this great landscape. And he's got this neighbor who's always asking him to do stuff. And he just wants to go and paint his great work of art. And it's his life's work that he's going to do this this wonderful painting. And he's always constantly dragged into these other things where he's helping this guy out. And ultimately, that's what changes him and what's redemptive for him. And so at the end of his life, he's just painted this one leaf. But that it's this one perfect leaf that he made. And this great work doesn't matter. What really saved him, what made his life, was the fact that he's pulled away from his own central focus and forced to deal with the reality of his neighbor. That is very much the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, each character is different and interesting in their own way, mm-hmm. but you can see how the show works. You know, this is part of the comedy. You know, uh, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Right, right. right. And they've, you know, they've, <laughs> they've got their ideas of what they want to do, and then they run into reality, which is other people. You've got Jeff Winger, who, you know, wants to be a lawyer, and he didn't get his degree from Columbia. He got a correspondence degree from the Columbia, the country yeah. of Columbia. And now I need one from America. Yeah, yep. and he's, you know, he's kind of the viewpoint character, at least to start off with. They, they, they introduced these characters early on, so I don't know that I need to... Right, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you don't, yeah, you don't need to describe them, but we, we definitely can talk about them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in their own way, each and every one of them is a bit like Abed. <laughs> you know, and Abed is kind of the most interesting character, I think. He has trouble dealing with other people, and he's, he's just popping on all cylinders when it comes to his imagination. He's got this really rich internal life, and he's, he's not incompetent dealing with other people. Like, he's really good at predicting the phenomenology of people. What are people going to do? Right, you know, right. How do people behave? How do the act. He's got that to a T. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to what motivates them, he's you know, he's clueless. And so he he falls back upon his own resources. And that's where, you know, some of the, the drama of Abed comes from is that he doesn't get other people. He's forced to interact with them. And, you know, in, in his case, it's, you know, it's kind of a social limitation, but it's just one that's, you know, dialed up to 11 because in every episode, you've got multiple incidences of people in, you know, the main cast usually who are dealing with the fact that they have their own desires and they keep projecting them onto the people around them and and they're forced to deal with the fact that the world is not their dreamatorium right right (laughs) that's a really uh that's a really interesting take on it because i never thought of it that way and and i think that that that's actually a, a good analogy that everybody every single character is abed it's just that you know 
Abed is so obviously Abed that you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Abed is Abed. It's a tautology that uh, is is quite uh, fulfilling. But um, yeah, so uh, so you have you know Jeff. He's got his hangups. You know they aren't pop culture, but that he's supposed to be in charge and he's supposed to be you know this heartless lawyer and he tries and he fails. Yes. Uh, much to his benefit, actually. It's yes. good that he fails. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it's it's failing and having to you know step back and and reassess you know what's the world around us really like that we come to be better people and you know it happens to a different extent and in different ways to all of the different characters you know you've got Troy who's the the football player who you know had to back down from a, a college football scholarship and right got, right you know Annie who's neurotic about overachievement and winds up in a community college yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you know you've got Shirley who she's a bit of a control freak I guess you'd say yeah. <laughs> you know she's uh, she's a neat character in that a lot of shows on TV they want to put a Christian in and it's like either they're kind of, you know, this nemesis to secular values or they've got this kind of mushy, ill-defined religion that fits nicely into it. And no, she's, you know, she's got this very real, very concrete Christianity that's not, you know, she's not a theologian or anything. It's very, right. it's very cultural to her, but it's real to her and she makes real decisions based on it and she wants everyone else to be the same way. Right, right. And, <laughs> uh, this is not extraordinary when you have a value system. You have a value system. You want everyone to, you know, go along with it. You know, Shirley. You know, she's 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 a mom who's got to keep an eye on her kids, and that some of that bleeds out to the study group. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's constantly thwarted because you know these are adults with their own ideas, and they they're going to disagree with her on everything, including the quality of her baking, <laughs> which you know comes into the uh, the chaos theory episode. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is quite possibly the best episode. It may, it may be the best episode ever to be on television. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and it's uh, it was actually nominated for a Hugo. I don't know if it, if it won the Hugo, but if it didn't, it was robbed because it definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, it definitely deserves it. it it's it's amazing to me how many episodes there are where like you know we just recently did a rewatch with the kids because our kids love this and it was amazing how many episodes I was like oh yes this one I love this one oh my gosh I just realized that uh -huh. the the chaos theory episode in its own way is like six or seven different uh, renditions of It's a Wonderful Life. What happens ah. when you take one person out of the community? How does the rest of the Oh my God. <laughs> How does the rest? And, and you know, the answer is, you know, sometimes it's a little funny, sometimes a little weird, sometimes a little disappointing. Right. And sometimes things go very wrong. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, which realization was it for, you know, the darkest timeline? I think it was Troy. It was Troy that went out. Which yeah. is interesting. Oh. <laughs> that, you know, you know there, there's yeah, a seed. Yeah. There's a seed that's planted for later on because yeah. eventually Troy does leave. Yeah. And yeah. what does it mean? You know, because yeah. that, if you if you do that for an episode, you get the darkest timeline where yep. everyone's wearing Spock beards. Well, Abed's, right. Abed's, <laughs> Abed's wearing, wearing a, a Spock, Spock beard. beard. Jeff Winger loses an arm. Yeah. Um, Britta like puts a, a streak of blue in her hair. And yeah. Troy, sure. Troy uh, starts going 
going around in Matrix gear and right. wears a uh, it has a voice box because right. he, he he tried to eat the flaming he tried troll. To eat the fl- yeah, there was a he's deathly afraid of 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 uh, little knickknack trolls. Right. <laughs> and Peter's Hawthorne tries to give him one because he knew it would terrify him. Right. Right. And in this in chaos, there there's there's different. Uh, what happens if so and so leaves the room to go get the pizza? Right. And right. In this one, you know, Troy. Uh, we learn off stage later that he tries to eat the troll. Yeah. And uh, that results in him losing his voice box. But it's actually the one of the less awful things that happens in the darkest timeline. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, you know, one of the funny things, too, is that the best timeline, the best timeline is when Jeff goes out to get the pizza. And it's Jeff who's gone. And he's not... You know, he doesn't stop Britta from starting to sing uh, Roxanne, right? Yes, yes. And then everybody starts singing Roxanne, and they're rocking out together, and everything's great. And it's because Jeff isn't there. And I I think that um, I've done a really, you know, poor job up until now selling just how ridiculously hilarious this show is. Because, you know, all those things that I, uh, the the serious side of these people with disparate uh, ideas of what life ought to be like and confronting reality. Uh-huh. It also makes for wonderful comedy. I mean, you know, uh, the the first rule of improv comedy, it's commitment. I'm not going to go into the, the details, but... You commit you, to your bit. The, the, the reason that improv works as comedy mm-hmm. is that when you commit to your bit and things move forward and everybody works with each other, then the wheels that you have set in motion will often produce something funny. And yeah. this is, you know, pretty uniformly the case in community, that you have these well-defined characters, all of whom are bouncing off of each other. And it's hilarious because they're all just so diff- such different people, even though they, they share a fundamental human limitation, which is that we project our vision of what the universe is onto the universe and other people, and it's just not. And it's just not in the most hilarious way possible in, in, in most cases. Yeah, yes. and this, this can be dark and tragic, but in this case, it's a half-hour comedy. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. Yeah, it is literally one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. Like, we, we first saw that episode where it's Jeff and Shirley, mm-hmm. uh, and they, uh, they're playing foosball, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that's the first episode that, that, that you and I saw. Yes. Um, and we hadn't seen any of it. Like, I had seen, like, previews for it I when think- it was coming out. I I'd seen the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Uh, yeah. I'd seen it on my own on uh, online or something like that. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then we saw this one episode, which was the um, the one with Shirley and and Jeff, yes. and just I remember. Oh, so, such it, a touching episode! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it it's. It's one of those episodes where if you're not familiar with the style of the show, I remember looking at it and them, you know, getting into the big foosball fight and all of a sudden everything's like anime, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> right, right. You go from this this ordinary foosball table where they're training to Shirley, who's like this uh, foosball savant. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's, she's, she, she's a foosball savant with many talents. Yes. Um, and she's training Winger how to basically own these Germans who uh, have have staked out their territory with the foosball table. Uh-huh. Because, of course, you know, all, all Germans know foosball, right? Right, right. It's, it's, uh, it's like their table tennis. Exactly. Yes. It's, <laughs> except, you know, this is this is destroy or be destroyed. And right, so, right. And so, you know, the, the dark side of their past breaks out into this foosball game because they have a history that they're not aware of. Right, right. And, and again, it's and one of those things where it's like, if you know, you could totally play that for tragedy. That, yes. you know, she... 
as a child, she ruined his life because she took foosball away from him and made him pee himself and, and would, whatnot. It yes. would be a funny tragedy. It would be a, <laughs> I mean, you know, be a funny tragedy. You know, it's, uh, yeah. com- comedy is I cut my little finger and tragedy is you, you fall into, into a manhole and, and die. die. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, a good chunk of the comedy. <laughs> it's true. There's a lot of open yeah. manholes. There's a lot of open place. manholes yeah. in community. Yeah. But, you know, and then all of a sudden, just stylistically, okay, we've got this death match let's do it in the style of dragon ball z yeah so they're doing yeah. these you know these magic anime martial arts moves yeah that 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 show the power that they're bringing to the foosball table right in a way that you know watching people spin these you know these knobs would be boring right right <laughs> it, it makes something that is pedestrian completely epic but but at the end again, they realize that this image that they have of each other right. is their own image, and it's all based upon their own shortcomings and the pain that they've suffered in the past. When in fact they're just ordinary people trying to make their own way, and if they worked a little bit harder to try to understand each other, then they could be friends. They could be best of friends. They should yeah. have been best of friends. It's um, true. And they walk off together, you know, on their way to a movie at the end, yeah. which is is marvelous. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you know they they play it for laughs and it's so breathtakingly hilarious. <laughs> yes, it is. And yet at, you you walk away realizing, oh my gosh, I learned something. Yeah. You know, it's like I I've grown a little today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Half an hour of television and oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that, like, you know, after we had seen those episodes, or you had seen that one, and then we saw that one together, we got the, uh, the like, the first season, the first disc of the first season from Netflix, back mm-hmm. when Netflix actually, you know, sent out CDs yeah, to yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which apparently they still do, but... You have to pay extra, I You have think. to pay extra, yeah, yeah. It yeah. used to be just, you know, the DVDs, the d- yeah. DVDs yeah. But we got the first DVD of mm-hmm. the first season, we watched, like, the first episode, and then we went on Amazon on and we bought it yeah we bought the whole thing just just off the first episode right? yeah 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 it was that yeah. good it was that good <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, and i've i have never regretted that decision because and every yeah every, you know and every episode almost every episode is new and fresh yeah and you go for long enough you can't help struggling a little for ideas right but you know Every episode is new. It's fresh. They make efforts to hit one or more pop culture bits, which they play to maximum hilarity. Yeah, it's fantastic. They make just tons and tons of references. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, anybody who's a fan of pop culture is is totally, you know, along with it going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a Wilhelm scream, which they do. Like, I think every single episode they have a Wilhelm scream. And and, and we're not talking, you know, little calls and in-jokes that people will get. We're talking about committed bits. Yeah. That describe an entire episode. Like, you know, let's do a, you know, let's do a paintball episode. It's an all-school school intramural that happens to involve paintball yep. and risks destroying the school because that's what happens when you play paintball in, you know, <laughs> on public property right especially um, when there's a there's a prize that people will yeah yeah but, the, uh, but will fake kill each other over but they they but the whole episode is this extended fugue of references to like uh john woo movies john woo movies war movies uh spaghetti westerns yeah yeah and it's breathtakingly ambitious 
the extent to which they draw these things because you know you can have you know silly little episodes where they do very little of this yeah and then you have others where it's like you know let's let's do a star wars episode right right (laughs) Uh, or you know it's not going to be all star wars because everyone knows star wars and that's boring so let's bring in a few other things too right right so they you know sometimes they some they 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 usually mix it up but they do so you know completely and thoroughly Uh where it's like you know yeah we're just going to swim in it yeah and it's really it's great because they they have the, the episode the episodes as a whole are awesome but like almost all of the episodes have like many moments where you will think about the episode and then then you're like oh yeah like the one I'm thinking of is that one the first paintball episode mm-hmm. where Chang has entered the game and he goes after Jeff and Britta and he goes after them with like you know the mechanical paintball gun and then when that's out he tosses it aside and draws two gold paintball guns <laughs> out. It's like, whoosh. And he's, like <laughs> he's, he's got the white suit that you yes. see in Hong Kong action movies. Yeah, got, yeah. Like a cigarette, I think. Yeah, he's like chewing on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is so beautiful. Just in the same episode, you've got uh, or the same. It's a two parter. Um, uh, I think that the second time it's a two parter. I think the first season paintball is just one. You, you, but you've got Jeff Winger committing to a bit where he's wearing a white sleeveless t shirt. Yes. And committing to a John McClane <laughs> diehard bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like you know even like limping too. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like his, like his feet have been cut, although I don't think they actually were. Yeah. Uh, I forget. Is this um because they do multiple paintball yeah competitions yeah. and I think this is the one where. They have the prize, or is it the? This is the one where they the have money, the money prize, or the 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 um the priority registration. Priority prize. registration. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and the the prize is priority registration because of yeah. course you know there are lots of schools where. You just can't get all the classes that you need to graduate on time. Right. And so, of course, everyone's going to fight tooth and nail for this. (laughs) Well, it's not even just that they need the courses. I think it's just that, you know, you can front load all of your classes and then have like a five-day weekend. Yeah, basically scheduling is life. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, of course, when he wins it, he gives it to Shirley so that Shirley could have all morning classes Yeah. so that she can be with her boys, which is very, very sweet and something that he wound up doing – like, you know, off the cuff. And again, you know, yeah. he he uh, he goes in with his conception of way the, the way the universe ought yep. to be. Yep. He bumps into reality and then he changes a little and for the better. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. So all the homages, yes, right, yes. are fantastic. Mm-hmm. There are several episodes where it's basically one homage that they're sticking with. Although mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it. Usually there are multiple homages, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Like I was thinking about the um, uh, Dinner with Abed. Yes, yes, episode. My dinner, which my, I, I've my never seen with, my dinner with Andre. Neither have I. We totally need to do that. But it wasn't. <laughs> ju- it wasn't just my dinner with Andre. It no, was that it was versus Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because of course uh, Abed, who uh, is this, is this culture maven, and you uh-huh. know, and I think that you know he's he's probably the the closest thing that we have to a chorus, a Greek chorus, <laughs> <laughs> who you know is able to basically describe what's going on and point out everybody's greater arc. Yeah, he's, he, he he's the the guy who regularly breaks the fourth wall. They, the, the show breaks the fourth wall all the time. But Abed's the one, the only one who's really aware right. of the fact that you know this could be a TV show. Right, right. And uh, yeah, so of course for his birthday, 
they think, uh, you know, oh, let's do something special for him. Let's throw him a Pulp Fiction birthday party. We're all dressed as <laughs> Pulp Fiction characters. And so Jeff goes to uh, to meet Abed to clue him in on this right. and drag him to the surprise party at a diner. Right. Just like the diner scene from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But Abed, being Abed, has already committed to his own pop culture bit. And he wants this birthday to be a celebration of of a film, My Dinner with Andre, yep. which is basically about two people sitting down and having an intimate conversation about life. Right, right. Which a is just real conversation. A real conversation, <laughs> which is like, it's the anti-Abed, because Abed is so much on the, he lives on the surface. Yeah. He lives on the surface because, you know, real intimacy scares him. He he doesn't lend himself to these these conversations naturally, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a critical and cult favorite. Right. Um, and meanwhile, Jeff is really shallow and superficial. So, you know, you gotta break him down before you get him talking about things that, you know, frankly, he's embarrassed about. Right, right. And it's funny because, you know, he thinks that Abed wants a real conversation. <laughs> he's never seen this movie. He doesn't realize <laughs> that Abed is doing a committed bit and it's dragging him away from the Pulp Fiction stuff that yes. they would both rather be doing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. And then when, when, uh, when Abed actually succeeds in breaking Jeff down so he's actually giving him a real conversation. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, it's obvious. He's like, oh, my God, what have I done? I have broken Jeff. And now he's telling me about how his mom took him out trick-or-treating as a little Indian girl at one point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you see, they come back to these themes again and again. And it's it's funny and it's absurd, but it's also really, you know, strangely powerful. There's this episode where um, Annie is with Abed in the dreamatorium. Right. Because you know, Abed and Troy are best friends and they're not getting along. And so Abed's going to spend some time with Annie. And the dreamatorium is basically a converted bedroom that acts as a sort of matrix projection for Abed's imagination where right. you can do or it's like it's like a glorified playroom if your playroom were the matrix. Right. Uh, so you can do anything. You can imagine anything. You can be anything. Uh-huh. And in this, in this case, they're doing kind of a uh, Doctor Who knockoff. They get to dealing with the real issues of, of the fact that Troy and Abed aren't getting along and Abed's afraid that people aren't going to get along with him. They're not going to like him. And Annie tries to drag him back to reality and convince him that things are going to be okay and finds out that, you know, Abed's got some really kind of hackneyed ideas about what everybody in the study group is like because he deals in superficials because right. it's the safe thing to do. Putting on my astrophysicist hat, you know, <laughs> the, the reason that the uh, geocentric conception of the universe worked so well is because the models that they had were really good at predicting the future. It wasn't until a couple hundred years after Galileo that you actually had the physical evidence that you needed in order to say, wow, the Earth really does go around the sun. Right, right. Um, but as long as you deal with these superficials, uh, you know, you've got your model that you can just refine. You can keep working with your wrong realization of the universe because it keeps predicting what you expect it to predict. Right, right. But, you know, Abed's, you know, Abed deals with superficials and that's what people are like. And Annie says, no, no, you've got to meet people where they are and get a, dig a little deeper. And I know you're afraid of it. And, oh, what's in this room? Right. And there's this <laughs> closet where the machinery for the dreamatorium is this you know this glorified playroom and it's basically a series of cardboard tubes that Abed imagines is the machine that runs the dreamatorium and it's all plugged into this container that 
uh, that harnesses Abed's thoughts. It's like a receiver for Abed's thoughts. And Annie pulls the tubes out and puts it into something that's meant to receive the, the thoughts of everybody <laughs> around. And this is overwhelming for Abed. He's never had to deal with this before. It drives him a little nuts. Right. And even then, you know, he's tries acting like he would act if he had other people's conceptions of the universe funneled directly into his brain. And it's still just this gross misconception of what everybody is like. And and he imagines that what people would really do with him if they didn't like him is put him in a locker like they did in high school. It isn't until Annie basically starts presenting her own caricature of Abed that Abed starts to realize just how absurd this is. I think that's one of my favorite episodes because it's just so brilliantly realized and wildly imaginative and you know, it, it gets to the heart of human relationships and the stuff that it's it, I mean, it's just so silly and absurd, but it really works as a piece of drama. It really does. I also like it because it's one of those episodes where people are playing other people. Yes. You know, <laughs> right. it's like, you know, it's like the body swap episode in like Farscape, yes, you know, where yes. uh, Aaron soon and, and uh, John oh. Crichton are like in each other's bodies. And... There's a show I should have well, seen Farscape <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, but, you that's know, one of my favorite shows. But Farscape. it's, you know, I mean, that that's that's uh, kind of a, a common trope in shows that yeah. you, you go along far enough you're going to get a show where they switch bodies. Yes. Um, and this is a show where they switch bodies. There's another show, la- uh, There's another, another episode, episode yeah. later where they like, you know, more literally switch bodies. Abed but this is kind Troy. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is one where, you know, the the, the actors are, are actually, they're, they're playing themselves playing other people, which yes. is really interesting. In, the, in this psychic dreamscape that's basically a glorified playroom. Yeah. One of the things I like about Community too is how they plant seeds for things way, way before they actually happen. So you have one of the things that that, uh, I think of is, I'm not sure if it's always the Halloween episode. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't think it is. There's an episode in the first season where one of the characters mentions Beetlejuice. Yeah. There's an episode in the second season where one of the characters mentions Beetlejuice. And there's an episode in the third season where another character mentions Beetlejuice and then the background Beetlejuice walks by. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like it's it's brilliant because yeah, yeah. they they set up their jokes. Yeah. Like way in advance so that when they actually come true it is so satisfying and i don't i don't know if that's deliberate or if they just you know say oh there's this reference that we made we should pick up on it later right Um, right but it's uh yeah the beetlejuice is probably the one of the more brilliant ones Uh um but now that i think about it (laughs) oh i gotta i gotta say uh the darkest timeline being the uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the removal of Troy from the room is oh wow is yeah be my favorite because it never occurred to me before you know it becomes a major plot point later on I, I don't even know if they were thinking about that at the time but it's it's not something that they play for comedy but it is something that's uh, critical to the plot because it's also critical to your understanding of the characters and how they develop right right that that he's just so central to yeah, kind yeah. of their their well-being yeah right. this, yeah this, this friendship between Abed, who's this very cerebral pop culture guru, and Troy, who's he enjoys pop culture for the fun of it, but he's kind of happy-go-lucky and easygoing and just wants to, I don't know, he's... He's not quite as committed to it as Abed is. No, he's he's a really good foil for Abed. Yeah, they're, they're really close friends, but they're so close they're almost like brothers. 
Yeah. That they have a you know they have a shared culture, they have a shared history. You know, it's the environment they find themselves, and you know their shared history is to some extent the pop culture that they share. But they're very different people, and you know they're different in ways that you know actually might be hard to deal with in an ordinary friendship. And they what they've got is is really really just um, Troy especially keeps Abed grounded, and it's interesting to speculate. Well, what happens when um, you know the the guy who plays Troy you know goes and does other things? Right, right. Donald Glover, Donald who is Glover, yes. amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and who has gone on to, you know, wonderful and, and more broadly known things like Lando Calrissian. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Yes. He's also, you know, the Childish Gambino yes. is his, uh, his stage name as a musician. One of the things that's funny, too, about burying a seed early on and then coming back to it mm-hmm. uh, is also with Troy, where in the first season, at some point, Troy says something along the lines of, oh, did I accidentally listen to Come Sail Away again? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I hate that song, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, when he leaves on the ship, that's the song that they are playing. So it's, you know, it's like from the beginning. And I often wonder if maybe like, they actually set it up so that, you know, because if a show runs a certain amount of time, chances are you're going to lose people you can, along you the can way. You your bets. Yes. So it's possible, and I can see Dan Harmon doing this, uh, the show creator, it's possible that they basically put those little seeds in there so that when somebody leaves, they're like, okay, and here's how we were going to have them leave from the very start. Right. Yeah, but you know who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's true. Sometimes these things just work out without planning ahead. It's true. Maybe, but there's so much that they do where they, you know, where it references from earlier in the series that you know I've got to believe that some of it is intentional. But that's you know, but that's also real artistry. You know, oh crap, I made a mistake in my illuminated manuscript. Well, let's turn this letter <laughs> into a drawing here. Right. Right. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Harmon knows, I guess. Har- yeah. <laughs> the writers might know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Pierce. Yes. Pierce Hawthorne. Pierce Hawthorne. Um, let's talk about him a little bit because we've mentioned pretty much everyone else and, you know, talked about them. So let's talk about Pierce. The, 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 probably the most difficult person to deal with in the, uh, the regular study group for the yes. first, you know, most of the series. Definitely. Yeah. And I don't think that he's terribly different in the the respect that you know he's got his own self-conception and he's bumping around the world and trying to deal with it and people he's actually one of the the bigger obstacles that people have to deal with just because he is so he's so set in his ways in ways that are bothersome and obtrusive and uh, you know occasionally racist yeah um, <laughs> He's just uh, he's just a really difficult he, – he puts people to the test. Uh-huh. But, you know, he's not – you know, nobody's a simple black and white caricature. Right. They're all fully realized. And even Piers has his moments where one of the great things about Piers is that he's, he's so on the edge of what people would expect to tolerate that he regularly tests what does it mean to tolerate someone and how far should you go? Yeah. And often the answer with peers is that even you look at him and you say, I can't stand him. I can't deal with him. Don't deal with him anymore. And the answer is actually, no, you you, you need to go farther. You need to trust him because there's more to him than these these horrible things. And, you know, he does right by people sometimes. He's deeply caring. And, you know, it's... Uh, 
this does not absolve him of all of the other awful stuff that he does. Right. But he's part of the community. And real tolerance is not loving things that other people hate. Real tolerance is loving is being able to deal with compassionately the things that you hate. Right, right. And Piers, you know, he's a fully realized person. There's a point where Winger basically goes to Piers's favorite barber shop with Piers just to get Piers out of everybody's hair for a little while to deal with a plot point. And Winger bonds with him. And some of the stuff they bond over is, you know, kind of awful uh, caricaturish male stuff. But, you know, some of it's also kind of Jeff reaching out for the dad that he never had because his dad was this awful absentee. Right, right. And, uh, you know, Pierce may, you know, have his problems, but he's there and he cares. And that matters an awful lot to a young man. So uh, it's just really fascinating that he, you, you ask someone honestly, should I deal with these horrible things that Pierce does? And the answer, if you're being honest with yourself, is no. Right. But... If you say, well, am I going to deal with peers as a person? The answer is, well, you know, he does these awful things, but yeah, he's a person and I'm going to take the whole package because he's more than that. He's, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, saving Greendale, right. if he's got a, a hunk of money thrown in his lap that everyone was struggling for and wants to do their own thing with, he's ultimately the one guy who turns it over to Greendale because he loves the place and cares about it. It's his home. Right, right. It's really interesting how many times they try to get him out of the study group. Yes. You know, I mean, that was the whole, uh, the basis of the first episode of the second season's paintball. Yes. Was that, you know, they were doing a, a, a spaghetti western where all of them were uh, associated with playing cards. Mm-hmm. And then we find out later that the reason they were associated with playing cards is because those were the cards that they used when they voted on whether or not to invite Pierce back into the group. And all of them had black cards except for Annie. And Annie was the one who had a red card that said, no, I don't think that we should be, uh, or rather, yes, we should be asking him back. And they had to have a unanimous decision in order to kick him out. And, you know, there are times later on, too, with the, uh, the biology class that they all take in season three. I think, is the biology class. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff, like, you know, he doesn't want Pierce to be in his class and tries to to hide the fact that he just doesn't want Pierce to be in the class. So, yeah, so he's he's really, he's a very interesting point of contention in the whole series, or rather in the first four seasons of the series. Yeah. Uh, They started losing him in season four. Uh, for various reasons, probably some having to do with the actor. But uh, the way that the show changed at that point, too, Mm -hmm. was interesting. That you had this shift where he just kind of started fading out. And then he appears in season five as a hologram. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they have an episode that's all about his death, basically. Um, But then past that, there's not a lot of peers. But there's, there's, but there's a real role for someone. You know, there's, there's a, uh, there's a real place for someone in that role. Right. And you know, to some extent, I don't know. Chang uh, drifts into that role with his Changnesia. So well, is that a little later? Or? That that's that's before. That's season that's, four. That's season four. Okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. 
And like at one point when they were, I think the first season, there was an episode where Pierce and Shirley got into opposition because he had pantsed her yes. and uh, and she basically said that she would no longer be in the group if he was in the group. Mm-hmm. And so they kicked him out of the group. Yep. And they, they dis- discovered that Pierce was a scapegoat and that without him, then they needed another scapegoat. So they started like being mean to other people in the group. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so it's possible that Chang kind of moves in to that sort of position but not really like not quite to the same degree fair enough um like there isn't quite the same tension that pierce brought to the group right so yeah so i don't know you know how that started to change uh the show because i think that you know most people will say that the first three years of community were gold absolute gold Mm -hmm. um and then the fourth season was a little bit of a miss at times and then the fifth and the sixth seasons were kind of strange. And the fifth season was the last season that was on uh, broadcast television, while the sixth season was picked up by Hulu for a season. And then that's been it. See, seasons five and six have grown on me a little. Yeah. And uh, I have personal loyalties to Team Alex. So <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the writers. Yes, in one of the writers that came in season five. Five, yeah. yeah. And six. Yeah. Uh, he was in my improv comedy he was. <laughs> in college. The, the, the <laughs> finest improv comedy group, uh, college improv comedy group in America. The yes, Ab- absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, so, I will hitch my wagon to that star. So yes. uh, in, in the spirit of community, I will forgive many <laughs> shortcomings in Alex's writing. Right, the, right. For, for well, the, it's, you know, <laughs> it's not necessarily, you know, on, on Alex that, uh, you know, that the, the series had kind of started, oh, no, you no. know. No, he's drifting he, a little he, bit. He's a, he's a feather in their cap. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Alex is fantastic. Yes, he is. Yeah, he was also he's also a friend of mine from college. So yeah, yes, Alex is great. So yeah, so Greendale, Greendale in and of itself, the community college of community is totally bonkers. It's such a crazy place. Has just crazy people. And has these classes that are, I can just imagine, you know, the writer's room just sitting around and pitching ideas of these classes that could be part of this college. Like, um, you know, ladders and uh, baby talk. And can you fry that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think my personal favorite is, um, I forget his real name, Professor Professorson. Yes, yeah, and the, the, the <laughs> class that doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, Sean Garrity. So, yeah, Professor yes. Garrity. Uh, <laughs> because uh, Jeff Winger, he uh, on the fly, he makes up this class that he's taking as an excuse for, I forget what the the issue was yeah he just he wanted a blow-off class and uh, so he created the ultimate blow-off which is a, a class that doesn't actually exist yes which uh he said is is a, a class on like chaos or not chaos no, no, theory, no, on conspiracy, conspiracy theories. theories yes, yes. And so the, the the rabbit hole for this con- so and and 
lying about this class that he's taken, he encounters a professor walking down the hall who claims that he is, in fact, the professor for this class. So, of course, yes, he recognizes Jeff Winger from his class. Right, right. But the class doesn't exist. And so this this uh, rabbit hole of conspiracy goes down deeper and ever deeper because Jeff Winger did not conspire with this guy to make up a non-existent class about conspiracy theory. Right, right. Uh, it just... Uh, he just made up the class and all of a sudden the professor that he made up appears. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, the, and the professor that he made up has all of these fake records of this fake class that doesn't exist. Right, right. And the, the whole episode is about how deep does the rabbit hole go Right. and how much of this imaginary class is real and how much of this imaginary <laughs> class is just uh, a will-o'-the-wisp of someone's imagination. Right, right. And who is working with who? And it, it winds up with uh, a lot <laughs> of people getting, you know, fake shot. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, you, yeah. You, you see some pretty weird classes on course schedules and yes you know, i wouldn't put it past some colleges but right um, <laughs> but uh it's it's the 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 way that this fits into the uniqueness that is greendale that makes it so fun and special yeah yeah i think one of my favorite classes too and it's in a season five episode is the one that is nicholas cage good or bad oh yeah yeah oh god <laughs> Where, where we get to see Danny Pudi <laughs> doing his uh, really over-the-top over the yeah. impression of every extreme Nicolas Cage outburst ever. Yes, yes. I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little more like Christopher Walken. It is. Yeah, that's that's pretty terrible. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he goes full-on Nick Cage. You know, he's got to, is he good or is he bad? You know, he's got to be one or the other. But yeah, so sometimes the uh, sometimes the the classes you actually see them and you see the classes going on and they become part of the plot, and then sometimes it's just you know like the ladders class where yeah. you know they're like and welcome to ladders, yay! <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, and then there are the the characters that are outside of this this small group of people. You have uh, you have Neil, who they there's a whole episode about you know playing uh, Dungeons and Dragon Dragons with him. Mm -hmm. um, you have Magnitude. Yes, Pop Pop. 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 <laughs> Who actually, the actor, interestingly enough, was in Harry Potter. He was in the was Harry he? Potter movies. Yes. Oh, hey. He played the uh, the guy who did the um, the commentary for the Quidditch games, and, which and, is amazing. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of the things that we learn about, the, about Greendale is that so many of these bit characters are, in fact, so much better as people <laughs> than the self-centered, struggling study group that we come to know and love. Right, and it's just right. their perspective that they have to deal they have to deal with the world around them that makes these other people seem so small right and it's interesting how there are sometimes when something will happen and i remember at one point there was like i think it was during the third season where they were in the anthropology class uh -huh. and i think that was third season might have been second season anyway uh, at one point, uh, Vicky and Neil are like looking at each other, kind of like, you know, longingly. And then uh, something happens and the two of them are like, 
we almost had an episode where not everything was about them. Which, which brings us to the Yam episode. Right, right. Where you've got <laughs> one character who uh, is accused of ruining their biology experiment where they have to grow a Yam. And it's an extended um, homage to uh, Law and Order. Right. It's uh, Lupine Neurology, it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, is a callback to Dick, to Dick Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. And, uh, and this, this guy who they accuse of sabotaging their, uh, their research project is, you know, just this, this fantastically morally upstanding character who, you know, they, they drag in front of a, uh, a mock court yeah. in their biology <laughs> class to... Uh, to accuse to, him of to, having to killed his yam. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and destroy his character in, in order to prove their point. Right, right. And I mean, He's actually yeah. you know, much nicer than any of them. He's a war hero. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just you know, sweet and innocent and you know, couldn't hurt a fly. Right, but, right. But you know, they're focused on the yam. Right, right. And they're focused on their own grades. Yeah. And then, of course, it turns out that it was someone else who, you know wound up boiling the yams that they could get an A and so they wouldn't have to go to remedial biology and they could you know go to their parents cabin with the person that they love and stuff yeah in, you know, in pottery class they've got a pottery class where there's yeah. one guy <laughs> who is like he's a doctor I he's think, a doctor or, or, and he, he goes yeah. he travels to impoverished countries to help people out with vaccinations and stuff right like that. right and good guy winger hates this guy because he's so good and he makes it and he makes him look like garbage next to him right and he right. wants to know how he can look so good so so that he can impress people. Right, right. That's, that's that's Jeff Winger. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of times, and more so, you know, going into the later seasons, there's a lot of times where the people involved, uh, or the, the other people from this school, show that they really don't like this self-centered, clicky study group. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think they're better than um, the, the, the Seinfeld click. Right. <laughs> but they're, the Seinfeld they're, click was they're, terrible. They're, but they're, yeah. they're much more conscientious than the Seinfeld click. Right. But there's a, there's a touch of that to them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if, you know, if, if Seinfeld were, you know, this extended you know, sequence of pop culture fantasy references with a much larger cast. and Right. But, you know, that's... That's definitely an issue for their interactions with the outside world. And, you know, we care about them because we see them every episode, which is, you know, also part of what community is about. Right, right. It's true. So the hashtag for this uh, for this show has been six seasons in a movie. Six seasons in a movie. They managed to get six seasons, uh-huh. uh, which is amazing because yep, they, they were did. up for, you know, they were on the chopping block a number of times and actually jo- got chopped once and then got uh, resurrected back on Yahoo. Yep. Um, but they've had their six seasons. Mm-hmm. So what do you think a movie would be like? That's tough because, you know, the, the TV series ranges all over the place. And I'm sure that Dan Harmon, uh, you know, this given that this is a, uh, a, a meme among fans, six seasons in a movie, I'm sure he has his own thoughts. Right. But uh, there are a couple things that the series, I mean, the, the series itself leaves on a note where you really don't need anything more because it's the last episode is basically an imagination of, you know, what's it, what is it like? Where do we go from here? Right. The answer is we don't need to know. But OK, so you come back and what do you do? You've got a few threads, a few plot threads up in the air. And then you've got kind of the natural progression of things. And one of the things that's left up in the air is Troy traveling around the world. And I think that we've got to see him come back. Yeah. But, but it's... But 
But I think it's going to be years later. And so why does Troy come back years later? Uh, and the other issue is that, you know, you've got several people who have gotten j jobs elsewhere. And then you've got some people who actually work for Greendale. Now. Right. You know, you've got right. Jeff who becomes a, a law professor because he, you know, uh, his, <laughs> his old law firm has basically disowned him for being too nice. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> because he's, he's grown as a person and he can't be a lawyer anymore. Right, because he can't <laughs> be that. Much yeah, of a be, of a, a he jerk, be, yeah. He can't, be a, he can't be so cutthroat. So he's right. going, he's going to teach law at Greendale, right? And um, yeah, so I think that the natural ways for these plot threads to go. Mm -hmm. uh, so Greendale struggles with its rivalry with uh, uh, City College, right? And uh, its conception of itself as a respectable college. And so I think that the nat the next natural thing is that if you have people who are college professors, they're going to worry about tenure. I'm not even sure that Greendale does that. <laughs> but, you know, usually when you want to um, put people through the tenure ringer, right. you require publications and grant money. So <laughs> I can see some sort of a, some sort of thing where um, Duncan, the Duncan uh, principal, you know, Duncan's uh -huh. got his own little research. It's like, you know, he's, he's got his own little research program. All of a sudden, there's an expectation that they've all got to do their own, you know, research and publications. And, you know, this is phenomenally boring if you're, you know, <laughs> under the stress of actually having to do it. Right, right. But, you know, I think they could get creative. The other thing, of course, is Troy. And Troy has been going around the world. And, well, what if he hasn't come home yet? You know, what if... Uh, you know, he, what if he, uh, you know, kidnapped by pirates is good. Actually, <laughs> so, so, I, and I, I actually saw this today because uh -huh. I was brushing up a little bit. Yeah. But like a couple of episodes after Troy goes off on yeah, the yeah. boat, uh, Hinky uh -huh. is watching like news TV, like yeah. CNN or something. Yeah. And on the bottom, it says breaking news, LeVar Burton and non-celebrity companion, Kidnapped by pirates right, right, yeah. in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> so I think we've got room for a Princess Bride reference here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kid I, kidnapped I, by I, pirates. There, there are all kinds of possible fruitful pop culture references that yeah. I would love to see that I don't think we've seen yet. Yeah. And I think that it's fair that the Princess Bride could figure. Uh, another thing is um, a ship that goes off is not seen from for ages. Comes back. What the heck happened? This, ha you know, there are multiple plots, but I think that the one that we really need to see is uh, in keeping with this model of uh, it's a TV show that's. You know, it was meant to be a TV show. Uh -huh. It was designed as a TV show. It goes for a while. And now we're talking about it doing, fitting it into a movie. How do you do that? Right. And the one, the one TV show that really pioneered that was Star Trek. Right. And the plot, the, the plot for the Star Trek One is basically one of the Voyager probes gets uh, sucked out of its path across the universe and encounters this alien civilization and comes back to Earth uh, souped up with alien technology and wreaking a path of destruction in its wake. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> So I, I think, you know, even if this is just part of Abed's imagination of what's going on, I think that would be interesting. And I think it's even more interesting because LeVar Burton yes! <laughs> is on the boat. And so there are all kinds of opportunities for uh, Abed imagining Star Trek One and LeVar Burton complaining that this was not the incarnation of Star Trek that he was part of. Right, right. So oh I, my I, God. I think there's room for that. Yeah. The other thing, that, the other uh, uh, shout out that I would like to see to a favorite 
movie from uh, you know they 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 do a lot of stuff from the eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, I would like to see Labyrinth. Not only is it a great movie in keeping with the show's overall theme of here are these half formed people who have this imagination of what their life is going to be like, uh-huh. and they project it into the they project this fantasy world onto the the world around them. Right, uh, but they they encounter reality and they have to grow up. And I think that Labyrinth is actually a nice fit for that. But also I think that it would be fun to just imagine all of the main characters taking a turn as Jareth. Yeah. And, you know, I think Abed would be a fantastic Jareth Uh because he would play the part to the fullest. I think, you know, Jeff Winger would be annoyed and uh, Dean Pelton would wear that white dress that Sarah has and fawn all over him. Oh, my God. Uh, I think that <laughs> Dean Pelton would probably have fun being David Bowie for a day. Yes. I think that Shirley would lay the smack down. <laughs> I mean, because that's, you know, that Jareth is, uh, you know, he's no nonsense. He sees people getting out of line and he is a traditional fae that you don't understand. And, right. And if you step out of bounds, well, you're going to pay the penalty. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't think that I need to go further <laughs> just because uh, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be fun. Right, right. Yeah, I totally watched the hell out of that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I don't know how it would all fit together because, you know, it's got to be two hours. Uh-huh. So, you know, they do two, two-parter half-hour episodes. Right. And, you know, it's got to... It's it would have a different pace. And that's yeah. true for all TV shows that become movies. Yes, so, it's true. But they've they've had some ability in this this multi episode format to bring things to the next level. Right. The question is how do you do it? How do you do it integrated over two hours so that it doesn't feel episodic? And right. That's not up to me. That's that's up to Harmon. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, hopefully he will. Uh, yeah, I would I would totally love to see these characters come back. I miss them. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So they're... it would be it would be awesome to actually see the and a movie part of that actually come to fruition. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to the Hopeless Fancast. You can follow us on Twitter at Hopeless Fancast, on our Facebook page, The Hopeless Fancast, and find all of our episodes on hopelessfancast.com. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash thehopelessfancast to find out more. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.